0: Hello and welcome to Mac Gamecast episode 17, a Mac gaming podcast and also Mac slash Apple adjacent podcast at this point. Um, With me, I'm John, as always with me today is Casper and Sam. How are you doing, Phyllis? Hey, nice being here.
1: I'm doing well, thank you.
0: Always glad to have you here. A brief overview of today's episode is going to be um, some gaming related news or little tidbits basically around uh, Apple or Mac and then a... uh, Big topic of the day is uh, in relation to um, our games, just toys or art or or something like that. We don't have a conclusion, but we're going to have a discussion and see where it goes. Uh, So, Casper, I'll let you take the lead because you had some, uh, you've been watching some YouTube videos and you had some tidbits you guys have been sharing. So, you know, go take it away.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, um, I also listened to last week's podcast and I'm super excited the new mac pros and i've been watching a lot of new content about them. and while doing so um i found a video by rene Ritchie, who well he does a lot of, of apple related videos on youtube and mm-hmm. um, he has this recent video where he talks to two apple executives uh, about the new mac pros and or macbooks pro if you want to use rene Ritchie's wordings um, <laughs> and in it he asked them pretty directly about video games. Um, says, well, I know a lot of... I'm semi-quoting. He says um, that a lot of people within Apple, of course, also care about games. Um, So what were the considerations around the new MacBooks in terms of games or something like that? He says something along those lines. And um, essentially, the Apple executives... Uh, respond to it by saying that they think the new MacBooks are great gaming machines, um, and of course they refer back to Apple Arcade, which you know it's their thing, so they almost <laughs> have to do that. Yeah. Um, but they also do refer to I think I think they mentioned Baldur's Gate by name or something like that. Um. So more quote unquote real games, if we go by uh, <laughs> what we talked about earlier about the, what kind of game you are and things like that, right? Right. Um. And Rene then proposes the idea to the Apple executives of going to game studios and encouraging them to make Mac ports for games, which super cool. I think everyone within the Mac gaming sphere really would like that to happen. Yeah, um,
0: absolutely. The Apple
2: executives don't really respond to that a lot, but they do just have a massive <laughs> smile on their face when he says it. So
0: I'll take that as right Little is it an implication means. or or not a uh, or just nothing yeah the executives in question are tom boger vice president of ipad and mac product marketing quite the title and tim millet vice president of platform architecture so Excellent. you know they're not uh you know nobodies or whatever some low-level guys mm-hmm. um so that's pretty interesting uh sam what do you make of those tidbits <laughs>
1: yeah i would highly recommend anybody listening go out and watch the interview um the title of it on youtube is apple vp m1 pro slash max questions answered by renee Ritchie. and the area in question that we're talking about is around the 22 minute mark um and it doesn't give us any new information in terms of like they don't obviously confirm like some wild studio nor or, deny <laughs> but i would say it is the most gaming uh like like triple a like real quote gaming um that I've seen Apple executives discuss in a very long time. So I'd highly recommend every, everybody go and watch it if you're interested in gaming on the Mac. Um because it's a very rare time that you see Apple executives questioned about like actual games that we actually care about. Usually they talk about like games in like uh more marketing context. And this guy's obviously the head of marketing so Fine. that's to be expected. But um Renee Richie actually he asked them directly like going beyond shadow of the tomb raider and, and stuff like that um like what 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 are we going to see for games so yeah go out and watch it really really good interview
0: yeah i mean my Please. i didn't watch. i meant to i'm a little behind i didn't watch it yet um i just clicked on the video the video will be linked in the podcast description etc so you guys don't have to hunt it down although sam named it precisely by title um you know my takeaway is like it's just weird, you know, I guess, you know, I don't know, obviously, uh, there's a lot of departments in Apple um, and Gabe Newell, Newell, ahead uh, of Valve, um, complained about this in multiple interviews over years. I think the last one was somewhere in 2018 or so, like, Apple would just keep sending... Like new year, different people to contact them, and they just keep running into the same barriers and valves, or just kind of gave up eventually. Like, they're clearly not serious because they're just spinning in circles in regards to the Mac gaming. Um, but with the power of these machines, you know, I mean, I, I, I as a gamer, I want to say it's like a waste not to not have games on them. Obviously, people who just use them for work and productivity are like, well, of course, it's not a waste. It's for work and productivity. Games are, pshaw, who cares? Um, But everyone likes to have fun, and most everyone, you know, plays some kind of game these days. Like, it doesn't have to be on a computer, right? Like, we all played games growing up in some form as a kid. You just played Tag or something that's a game. Like, everyone at some point in their life has played a game. It just so happens a lot of us like to do it on computers. A lot of us, well, or at least some of us like to do it on Macs. (laughs) The majority are still on other devices. Um, But the machines are really good, and they just keep getting better um and it just seems a shame to me yeah that there isn't some I wouldn't expect Apple uh especially like in an interview and you know they represent Apple they can't go out and say like oh we're thinking about that or you know oh we have a studio in mind i know they can't say it. even if they do they won't say that because they're representing Apple it's an official stance and response they you know they can only say what they can say um but i keep hearing this and we had a couple episodes ago there was an article that was written Again, some other Apple exec was being interviewed, I forget who, and they said, yeah, there's a lot of gamer fans at Apple. It's like, okay, great, we keep hearing this, but, and the machines, like, we talked about raising the the baseline hardware quality of machines, which would help Mac Gaming, broadly speaking, um, but, like, we still haven't seen the games, like, come along to layer on top of all this nice foundation we're getting, um... But still, it steps in the right direction. So even if it's nothing like concrete, it's still cool. That's, I guess I'm rambling, but that's like my impression. Yeah, Sam.
1: Yeah. And on Casper's point about uh, hopefully maybe Apple encouraging some studios or or helping them, um, I know I've made this point in the past a bunch of episodes ago, but like we can see what Google did with Stadia. Stadia is obviously a very niche platform. It's Mm -hmm. not like it's like PlayStation or something with tens of millions of players. Um Stadia is very niche. I we don't know the numbers, but we know the numbers aren't overwhelmingly strong. Otherwise, Google wouldn't have canceled all their in-house studios for Stadia. Yeah. Um, but even with that, Google was able to get tons of AAA games essentially day one. Um yeah. so we and that required like Stadia doesn't use DirectX or anything like that. So that required some sort of porting um to at least uh Vulkan I believe they're using for Stadia. So yeah. it's it's not like studios won't play ball, as we clearly see they will with Stadia. Um, right, you might just need a little bit of uh, greasing of the palm, so to speak, with some dollars. Yeah,
0: And know, we see that in a plat- at a platform level with uh, Epic Games Store. Tons of people play ball with Epic, and to the point of being exclusive, not permanently usually, but like for a year or half a year or something, including a number of bigger games like Metro Exodus, Borderlands Three, and others. Um, of course, there's a whole herd of people who are like, ah, oh, Steam Epic Games is the devil." I only play on Steam for no reason at all. Um, there's reasons. I'm just being a little um, silly about it. Um, but developers are clearly, like Sam said, they are willing to play ball. They just need some support um, and, and some payment. I mean, Apple doesn't lack the funds, so it's clearly just a matter of. I, I just, I you know, I'd love to be like a a fly, you know, on the wall in like some of these rooms. Is it like? Does Apple think it's, like, a reputation thing? Like, do they think promoting games... Because they used to promote games, not even discreetly, but indirectly, because they had gaming columns on their website. But that was the most they ever promoted gaming. They never, like, literally promoted it, like, advertising their, their Macs' as gaming machines or supporting studios the way some of these other companies do, whether it's Google or Epic and so on. Um, So it's kind of curious, this sort of like up and down roller coaster of like some support, no support, uh, you know, in Apple, like what's the reason to not just pull the trigger and support it? You know, maybe it's just purely financial numbers or something, or is it, do they think it's like a, take a hit to their professional reputation if they're seen as like gamers? I don't know. It's weird. You know, I just, I'm obviously uh, speculating. I just can't think of like a great reason. So I'm trying to think of one. Um, But yeah, still steps in the right direction. So,
2: I I think you're pretty close to the actual reason, though. I I don't think Apple would want to be considered a gaming brand. But I do think that Apple wants to and, of course, would benefit from being a platform where games can exist, even if Apple itself isn't a gaming
1: brand.
2: I think that if we do get any actual involvement from Apple in this sphere it wouldn't be Apple directly going in and set, like putting their name behind a game or anything like that. They might help studios out here and there and encourage them to do Mac porting, but I don't think we'll ever see a, a world in which Apple fully engages in, in a gaming world, so to speak.
0: Right, because we but have... They, C- they already
2: yeah. have done things like, um, if, if I recall correctly, they, <clears throat> they had the Metal engineering team help with the optimized... Uh, that game, Exodus, something like... Metro. Metrics.
0: yeah i heard a little bit about that um yeah yeah uh and of course i believe i've not of course i've i'm pretty sure i've heard they've helped out some studios in relation to apple arcade um some of those are exclusive similar to what we see with like the epic game store situation um i forget the exact names of those games but there was a few of them um so they're clearly not uh against helping studios or interfacing with them um so it's, you know, once again, interesting. Um, I know... Uh, yeah, Sam, what do you think?
1: Well, I was going to say, uh, I think... Well, I, yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I don't think Apple's wants to be this, like, gamer brand, like, like Razer or something. <laughs> um, but I think up until pretty recently, gaming was just a market that wasn't on their radar whatsoever. And I think now we're seeing... apple we can see like through all their services and all that they're really trying to be this like really like one-stop the ecosystem so to speak for everything that uh that someone would need and they're also i would they must see the dollars and cents of the monster gaming industry like tens or hundreds of billions of dollar industry Um, and and if they can even just carve out a tiny piece of that pie that's billions of dollars so (laughs) it's i think there. i think my impression is i have nothing to back this up other than my thoughts but um previously nobody cared about gaming was would be my assumption on their board or executives or whatever and now Hmm. we're starting to come around a little bit because in the past it seems like they've had these little sort of like gaming moments like i remember when the apple tv um when they kind of reinvented that a couple years ago and it went away from the mac mini sized box to like the one we have now,
0: yeah. it was like, oh, look, like you
1: can game on your TV and we're going to have controller support. And I, I wouldn't recommend, right. I own an Apple TV, would not recommend it as a gaming device, but uh, <laughs> like they, they'll do that. And then they'll say, they'll talk about gaming and then, and then it, it goes away. They don't never mention that again. Um, but it seems like now, hopefully there's a little more, um, not just like we're going to do that. And here's like a million docs once, but like, let's actually do it and like have like a five year or 10 year plan for, for gaming on, on our platform.
0: It does feel yeah. like they're probing it, exploring it in that direction, um, but seeing as it's basically a new market for them, more like uh, for all intents and purposes, um, I guess I don't think Apple does anything, like, what do you say, impulsively, at least on the like public perception level. Um, they're more of like slow and steady wins the race kind of uh, impressions. so... Um, Hopefully, we're in the middle of that like slow and steady buildup to something. I absolutely agree. Yeah, they're not going to be a like gamer brand like you guys are talking about. But um, I do know through some journalist contacts and friends that there are been some portings, not Feral or Spire, some other groups trying to entice Apple to support them to port stuff. And it, and it didn't. This was about a year ago. Um, or... Last year and earlier this year, basically, to try and get some bigger name games from PC. Didn't pan out, um, from everything I understand. But I don't want to say more than that because I was asked not to. And it's also not my source. It's a friend's. So, <laughs> um, but I'm, but I just know there's some efforts, um, going on, which is nice. And it seemed even Apple had some interest. And I don't know the final reason why it didn't pan out um could have been hardware related could have been financial i don't you know i don't know the exact reason um but people out there are trying um but this was before like this was only when the m1 was out the m1 in question was definitely not powerful enough to run the games trying to be ported so maybe as better hardware comes out apple would be more willing because their future their future is the silicon stuff and it wouldn't make sense to go like, oh, here's a big game that our new hardware can't even run. Mm-hmm. Um, and why try to bring out a big game to promote that could run on in Intel stuff, like higher-end Intel? But that's not the future of Apple, the future of Apple's Silicon. So I really feel like we're in, a, we're in a waiting game. We're in a holding period, holding pattern, as they say. Just hovering, kind of like waiting. Um, and I don't really think we'll see much this year because the year's almost over, but um, 2022 should be interesting, and I have high hopes that we will start to see more support in general. Um, I mean, February is the release of Total War Warhammer 3. That'll be a splash from Feral. They already promised to port it to Mac. Um, That'll probably be our first AAA game of 2022. Did we even have one in 2021? Metro Exodus, I guess. Um, Yeah, but Mm, the new hardware's out, more better hardware's coming. I could see Apple more being more supportive of someone approaching them, like, hey, here's this hiring game we'd like to port, or could you help us out, or whatever. And they'd probably be more inclined to say yes at this point. Whereas with just the M1 hardware, it, while very impressive, as we've discussed on this podcast, uh, it's still not going to run like AAA games at any reasonable point. So um, that also gives me hope that the new hardware's out, And maybe next year we'll have a lot more interesting things to cover in that regard.
2: I I think the general conclusion is cautious optimism (laughs) regarding Apple's
0: involvement. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But the hardware is good news and this interest is good news. We just have to wait and see where it leads. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Sam.
1: I was going to say, Casper, do you want to intro us into the next topic, the uh, games as artistic creations.
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, I guess there's been some discussion about this in the general uh, gaming world uh, over the years, but really, games are, of course, entertainment. But I personally think games can all carry a lot of artistic expression. Uh, But does that mean that is there art pieces or are they just commercial products exclusive light entertainment go, go boom boom bang with a gun <laughs> or, or can <laughs> they actually have more meaningful impact that's generally the discussion and what do you, what do you guys think about games as art
1: yeah that i think i think it, it's important that we define, like... Um, like, obviously, obviously, games is huge. You have everything from, like, um, bejeweled on your iPhone all the way to... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like, a recent, like, story epic is, like, Last of Us 2 or, or Last of Us 1 on, on PlayStation where, like, the story and, and the narrative is... That's really the only reason why you would play that game. Um, so, yeah, there's... And then we... I think in our discussion for this episode, we touched on some controversies like Mass Effect Three back in the day, massive outcry on the Mm. ending of that game. Um, I won't spoil Last of Us Two at all, but there's also a lot of um, outcry (laughs) over the storyline of that game. Yeah. Um, So yeah, there's there's this discussion where like, do gamers like as as a consumer are we should we be allowed to like demand? something from the devs or should we respect the devs artistic vision and say like nope that's what they wanted to do and and we're gonna we're gonna play that and we're gonna be okay with that and uh, if bioware decides to end mass Effect 3 that way that's that's the way it ends um Mm -hmm. and then and and outside of gaming like obviously game of thrones was a big controversy (laughs) yeah that That one i have less sympathy for because i felt super rushed but uh, yeah
0: everyone can kind of universally agree if you've yeah, if you've like you've enjoyed the show from season one through seven and eight, um, it was yeah. rushed, and the directors of the show even came out later and said, "Oh yeah, we were like rushing off to go to Disney, so we kind of wrapped it up." But then they canceled the Disney thing; they went to Netflix or something, and everyone's like, "Bah, why'd you do it?" Um, but they also not expanded it, you know.
2: that beyond what the story in the books was, didn't they? Yeah, they well,
0: were, they were past
1: yeah. the books in terms of like material.
0: Yeah, past the written books was um season, like season six, five or six, five or six around there. Um, yeah, so everyone's joking, R.R. Martin will just like never finish the series because it's he's been writing the new book for like ten years or something. Anyway, um, yeah. but it is a it is a really broad discussion uh, discussion because um, some games and even other forms of entertainment, movies as well tv shows whatever they're intentionally made to be artistic or like art style pieces um some games are deliberately designed to be less gamey and more of a simple experience um they don't have like traditional game mechanisms you might think of like fighting or resource gathering or puzzles or whatever like the game mechanisms might be um Probably the biggest ones I can think of are what they call walking simulators, because you typically just hold down W or whatever your forward key is, if you've remapped it, um, and just walk through, and you're usually experiencing something really visually interesting. Maybe there's some audio, or maybe a, you know, someone's uh, on a radio with you, or a phone call, or you're just hearing voices, whatever. Something. Those are, you know, there's less game there, and it's more of an experience. Whereas, you know, you have something like, I don't know, um, let's take a basic shooter like Doom. Let's say the revised ones, not the old ones. We even the old ones. They're not meant to be artistic, per se. The new ones look really good, but it's all about just blasting monsters in the face with your shotgun and whatever. There's no, like, particular deep meaning or artistry behind it. That just does not to disparage the artist who made the game, because it's really cool. There's a lot of neat level design and vistas and monster design. There's a lot of artistry in it, but to me it's mostly just, like, fast-paced, frantic... Rock and roll, shoot 'em up kind of stuff, you know, right?
2: But um, while Sam said earlier that we perhaps should sort of define what we think of as games when we talk about games as art, are we looking at some like jewel? And you bring up this dichotomy, or whatever difference between something like Doom or, um, or something, Gone Home, or something like that, right? Um, there's also the question of what we even mean when we say art, because I think everybody has an intuitive understanding of what art means to them, but right. how we actually define what art is, it's, it's not really a trivial thing to define, right? What, what even is art? Uh, and I think to some extent, art means trying to express or say something through some medium of creation. Through depicting um, something, yeah, depicting, saying something, expressing something, and um, but really, where do you draw the line between something craftsmanship and design? And because you can have something that's really well designed, but you wouldn't necessarily art either. Uh, but hmm. on the flip side of that, I think if you look at something like, um a Stradivarius violin or something. Some people might go as far as saying it's art, even though it was just produced as a product, just really the science.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I, I would personally define it as like something that invokes like a thought or a feeling in, in the viewer or the participant or, or whoever's consuming the art in whatever way it's meant to be consumed. But like you bring up the violin, like – I guess it was designed to be a beautiful instrument, but like at its core, it's designed to be a good instrument, which is which is function, not form. Um, but it's it brings up the interesting idea that like art can be the the creator of the thing could have never intended it to be art per se. Um, they could have designed it to be a really really well well oiled, well designed machine that f- functions flawlessly. Um, but then someone experiences that thing and they and evokes this feeling in them or or thoughts or whatever and that it, it becomes art in that way which is really interesting one really good gaming example i have it's a mac game too by the way is uh firewatch walking simulator as we uh so we mentioned earlier so that game i think it's old enough now we can probably spoil it a little bit um if you don't want firewatch spoilers stop listening for the next few minutes but uh here we go so that game you're like a warden or a ranger in charge of the forest and um you have like your big fire watch tower and then there's a radio in it where you start to talk with um i think her name is delilah and the other tower and you never see her or you just hear her through the radio and this yeah. game kind of starts with there's this backdrop of your i think your wife is i think she has cancer or she's dying or she's sick really like sort of tragic setting and your character needs to just like decompress I think she maybe even have died your wife i forget um, It's been a few years, but basically a really tragic circumstance. Your character needs to just like get away. He signs out to be in charge of Firewatch. He goes into the forest. Um, and then when I finish the game, it, it evokes a lot of thoughts and feelings. But then when you mm-hmm. go online to read about it, it's a really mixed reception. Because <laughs> a lot of people, Firewatch has this sort of like, not aliens, but like, there's almost this like conspiracy, like thriller sort of mm-hmm. like big brother government like might be like behind the scenes like the, th- the secret thing going on in the forest yeah turns out it's nothing sinister at all it's just like this very sort of sad tale that has no like big twist so some people find that to be really lame and, the, and they go online they complain about that like how there should have been like this like secret agency or there should have been like aliens or something <laughs> other people <laughs> i think my i put myself in this camp like when I finished the game, I I definitely wanted there to be more and then there wasn't, but that was kind of the point. is mm. like they want it, it, it's the idea that like they want we, we we look for that escape and we look to like try to apply like oh like maybe this like conspiracy is happening here when really it's just like I'm trying to escape from this situation and like I'm out in the forest and like I'm connecting with this other woman on the on the radio and like I maybe think she's some amazing being and then at the end of the game she kind of just says like we have never met like why would you like this is just we're co-workers in the radio yeah yeah, Um,
0: yeah
1: it's really really interesting game i think it really hits the nail on the head when it comes to like um games as art and like the divisive response of some people want more of a fantasy style game other people sort of want that narrative deep story
0: yeah, uh I played and reviewed Firewatch. Pretty big fan of it. Um definitely qualifies as a walking simulator, but it's also a narrative game and it's a very compelling story. Obviously, not everyone will like it, but most people did. I believe it's rated very positive on Steam or whatever. Um it also just looks phenomenal. You can't look at it and say, "Wow, that's like that looks stupid or that looks bad." Like it the visuals are incredible. Um Yeah, I didn't get pulled in so much by the, like, thriller story aspect, though that's definitely there, and it does seem mysterious, and maybe there's this, you know, something more going on. Um, I was more curious in the, uh, like, hinted-at relationship between your character and uh, the lady, and it all takes place over the radio. And there's, like, hints of romance, but it's not overt. And then at the end, she's like, gotta get out on a helicopter and you're supposed to like you're trying to get to the helicopter but she takes off so you don't actually ever see her it's just on the radio yeah and that it all kind of um like sam said you might feel like oh yeah uh, basically the game just concludes very quickly and it would be easy to see how it would be unsatisfying either as a result of not seeing this delilah person or like the mystery not being that mysterious um but that was clear, you know, the developers I think made the game exactly um, as they intended, and even if it left a few people frustrated, I think they achieved their vision. Um, And I would say um, the sign of a good game even is that it can generate some, Not I don't want to use the word controversy, but like conflicted feelings in different gamers. Some people are like, oh, that was a really cool game and ending, and others are like, oh, I found it really frustrating and unsatisfying. You could also just say, well, that means the game's flawed, but Once again, as they say, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, so you can't claim any game or any art in the case of this discussion is perfect because some people will find it perfect, other people's will find it imperfect. That's the very nature of, well, anything, but in this case, art. Um, It's a little funny because my father actually used to run an art gallery when I was a kid. (laughs) And I even um, worked in not that one, but a different one, a branch of it long ago. This was, oh, my God. A long time ago 15 20 years ago or something um so i worked retail there for a bit so i spent a lot of time staring at paintings and browsing through paintings and learning a little painting history of course this is specifically so when i think of art my mind immediately jumps to paintings is my like kind you know uh, link in my head but of course art takes many many forms uh and as far as games go what i think is really cool is that we can have interactive art you know um Rather than just admiring a sculpture or a painting or a statue or something crafted, whatever it may be, Um, or even there's a saying in English, like you might say, oh, wow, it's like a work of art means it's really nice or it's really beautiful. It's really astounding. And it may not be art, whatever object you're referring to, but it's an expression. It's like a work of art. It's so nice. So it's like this. It's this uh, feeling that's invoked in us, Um, something, something internal, whether it's something heartfelt or something mental. Um, But yeah, I'm really, I really like that in games. Yeah, we can have interactive art, basically, whether it's games that are intended to be, like maybe something like Firewatch or other games, um, or even like bigger, bigger, like sort of epic saga games, like your Mass Effects or your Witchers or whatever. There's other things, and there's often lots of heroism involved and justice and good and evil, or maybe somewhere in the middle, and it's like. Um, meant to be more like uh, exploring morality and, and stuff like that or um, letting the character choose like oh what kind of person do you want to be how do you want to express yourself in this in this world the developers have created um, some games do a better job of that than others of like really allowing you to follow through or seeing the results of those consequences other games may not let you at all um, but that's what I find most compelling is that you can't uh, more than just admiring it like, Again, a paint like a, a physical object in the world, which of course you can pick up and look at or touch or whatever. But um, games let us go into that painting or into that sculpture's time period or whatever it might be, um, and I find that the most interesting thing of all. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I don't think all games are art, although there's probably some argument somewhere for that. Um, and I think because even in like say a game like Doom um which to me is just very like mindless shoot 'em up although there's some strategy involved in the newer ones um, there is a story there and it ends up being about like between heaven and hell and there's this absurd battle in the DLCs basically like between the gods and your character's a demigod and all this it's not really a spoiler um, and you could say oh well that's like a the classic tale of like good versus evil and you know heroes triumphing over justice or never giving up you could you could find meaning in it in it if you if you wanted to, I don't personally. To me, it's just a shoot 'em up of demons and aliens and whatever, very entertaining one. Um, so I guess the question then becomes: like, can you? You know, can we just find art anywhere, basically in any game, even if, broadly speaking, none might really be considered to exist.
2: Um, on that point, I think if you just look at things from a. At- matter of what they contain more so what as a whole is i mean games involve visuals they involve music hmm. a narrative as we touched on quite a bit and and there's also the interactive element you and you mentioned where the interaction itself can be used for artistic expression but isolated looking at all these components of what makes up a game uh, all of these things In traditional perspective as well, can be viewed as art. Music can be art, narrative art, Mm. uh, visuals. Can you mentioned art galleries that are full of paintings, which are visual, right? Um, But does something being made up of pieces that individually could be considered art? Does does that make the whole thing art? necessary? Mm. because I mean, I, I think you can construct something with artistic pieces where the entire thing as a whole isn't necessarily art. Um, Because if you just have a bunch of pieces and the thing as a whole doesn't say anything with those pieces, then I think you lose the artistic expression of it. Uh, But if you put things together in such a way that form a complete, I don't want to say story because it focuses on the narrative, a complete thought or expression, then you have something that goes to an artistic place in it. Higher and just individual visual music
1: Nine yeah seconds. that's uh, I, li- I like your points a lot and one <laughs> I, I like that that you got away from like this the, uh, the art isn't just one thing whether that be it, it's the whole and if we if we look back like I think it'd be per- if you surveyed I don't, I don't know who the gaming uh whatever judges of today would be but um like mario brothers one for example i think would pretty unanimously be considered like a work of art maybe probably not at the time in 1980 whatever when it came out but like looking back like that's one of the most like influential games of all time um so and that there's there's no narrative well there's maybe like mario saves the princess that's the narrative of mario (laughs) brothers one but there's no like story there's no like uh dialogue really or anything like that um it's just it's just pure gameplay. Um and like sounds and sort of stuff like that. And Pong, for example, would be another one. Like if you released Pong in twenty twenty one, that wouldn't be considered very impressive. But back <laughs> when it came out, that was very impressive. And that was like sort of one of the first ever games to be created. And another thing I think, especially with when, when people of sort of like this era growing up, like many of us, like myself, for example, we haven't really known a time When games did not exist whereas whereas my parents the games didn't exist until my parents were like 35 like that's like my games i mean like that that was when like the nes came out um stuff like that so we we will view games very differently because we we grew up with them from like age zero essentially whereas other generations games is just this thing that their kids or grandkids do um and we see games all also occupy a very different part of entertainment like you have books you have movies you have tv shows and i think sort of the general public would uh, uh, unanimously agree that like books movies and tv are all very different um just because it's an excellent book doesn't necessarily mean it'll be a great movie hopefully it means that but as we've probably seen Hal's examples of uh, there's <laughs> horrible adaptations of books all the time um they're, they're they're just different and if if art is just like one thing whether, it, whether it's like the narrative of the game one well, that we're always gonna to lose to a book because books will obviously have a better narrative than a game. But art, it's it's more than that, it's not just the narrative. Um, that's why we can have these sort of amazing experiences. Um, and games offer a very unique medium for that to be experienced. Like John was mentioning where it's, we have agency in a game where, that you don't <laughs> have in, in a book or a TV show or a movie, there's, you have, there's no agency there story unfolds in front of you and you consume it and you go wow that was either good or wow i didn't like that um whereas in a game you can not every game but like mass effect for example um there's a lot of choices that you can make and hmm. stuff, stuff like that so yeah
0: and yeah, a lot of games you are to some extent responsible for how much you enjoy it based on how you interact with the game or even potentially how good you are at the game or not Mm -hmm. um some games are meant to be really challenging all your dark souls and now souls like is a genre tag you know they're meant to be really punishing really challenging hard to learn games even when you get good at them you could die in a second anywhere kind of a thing um some people view that as like a really high pinnacle of game achievement game experience maybe even again some kind of art Whereas uh, I'm personally not so fond of a game that punishing. I like the idea of those games, the cool like worlds they have, and sort of mysterious story elements, uh, like dark fantasy. But I'm not into the, like, my enjoyment stops, and ah-ha-ha, I've ha, been Insta-Guild again for the hundredth time. Like, that isn't fun to me. Um, that's, you know, again, how we interact with the games, or what games we even choose to interact with. Yeah, but I think that's actually kind of a funny point about what Games can do
2: narrative speaking as well, because uh, Sam was saying how a, a book might, generally speaking, narrative, but games as being interactive can do things narratively that no other medium can, where they form a narrative around the interaction. Something like um, Stanley's Parable is a good example of that, because the entire point of that game's story, I guess, is, um, is the nature of choice in games, and it also draws on this culture around games that, you know, people have this uh, notion of what it means to make choices in a game based on experiences. And we know that sometimes we make choices in games that might not really mean anything. The Stanley Parable really tries to, I don't know, n- not necessarily poke fun at that, but make a story out of what it means.
0: Experience. Yeah, it highlights it. Yeah. Exactly. In a also, uh, reactive way.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, in um, in respect to the Dark Souls thing, I think, or Souls in general, I think the Souls game uh, utilized that punishing nature game in storytelling as well. Because the the nature of a Souls narrative, generally speaking, there's plenty of games now, but at least the original Souls games. It's about banging your head against the wall until the bricks. It's the the story of the game really is about you keep on trying until you succeed, and the story is meant for you to die a jillion times before the wall cracks. Before, so there's a really good uh, connection between the narrative and the gameplay. I think that really brings uh-huh. things to level in story
1: interactive media. Yeah, one cool point uh, I think on gameplay that we've touched on is you can have games that look very similar from like a non-gamer's perspective. Like if you compare like like a modern game I would say that does gameplay really really well in in a shooter setting would be Destiny 2. Um I know that's a controversial game in terms of the story and all that, but just like if you just if you sit down and you just play Destiny, you, you jump, you shoot, you sprint, you run. Um Destiny is really good and it's made obviously by bungie was all the experience with halo and stuff um and then you go to other games like i played i don't remember the name of it it was a playstation plus free game i downloaded like two weeks ago and i played it for like 10 minutes and i uninstalled it because it's the same like first person view of destiny but it just plays awful um Hmm. and that almost has its own art to itself i remember way back in the day when i had halo 2 um whatever the collector's edition was it came with like a behind the scenes disc and there was an interview from i think it was jason statum one of the heads of bungie at the time and he talks about this like game this like three second gameplay loop that they're really trying to create where if a player has fun for three seconds and you can it has fun in a way that's repeatable hmm. you, have, you have you have a game now um and some games will never have that and that doesn't necessarily mean that that game's bad it doesn't have that but some games that require sorry games that rely on gameplay if they get that three or five or ten second loop whatever it is if they get that down and just like a beautifully like well-oiled gameplay loop that i think is a form of art in itself um other games Mm -hmm. are like only relying on narrative and this might be not controversial is not the word but like if a game is super quick time event heavy like Last of Us, I think is a great game, but I think it's like really close to not really being a video game because you can just kind of do quick time events, and it's almost like a movie that requires you to press square every once in a while. It's The <laughs> story is really cool, but like, there's I don't want to like gatekeep. I, I think it's a game, but I don't want to like gatekeep what isn't isn't a game. But like, um, it just shows how different games are. Some of them, it's it's about the story, and it's about you just experiencing the story the devs have for mm-hmm. you, and others are about um sort of player maybe player agency within the story and other games are just about like maybe a, a gameplay loop that's doesn't really have a story and it's in and of itself but it's just this really really fun thing or like souls for example souls will give you a feeling when you're like maybe just started this level for the first time you've made it the farthest you've ever made it you haven't found a campfire in forever your health is really low and maybe <laughs> you're being chased by some a couple of enemies and it's like there's this like adrenaline rush that like very few games outside of souls will ever invoke in the, in the player because that the soul crushing difficulty is what makes this an intense situation if you could just respawn and be 30 seconds behind that that wouldn't exist right casper um
2: so i i kind of disagree on the point about the gameplay loop because i don't necessarily think that crafting a fun, good gameplay loop is necessarily artistic. It's more craftsmanship. Though I do think that the designing, an idea for a gameplay system can be artistic. But I don't think that perfecting it to a point where it's a fun little five-second loop or something is is necessarily... That's just craftsmanship.
0: It's It's like a form of mastery, but not necessarily artistic mastery. Is I think what you're... looking at sort
2: of the, the flip side of that that I have, the design of a game being potentially artistic. Uh, do you guys know the ancient at this point uh, game uh, Missile Command? It was one of those little arcade games. In- um, yeah. The, the, the developer behind that game said that after he made it, he had several nights where he just, he couldn't sleep. He kept waking up to nightmares imagining the real world equivalents to the gameplay he'd set himself up uh, where you sit and you just try and keep the bombs away but they keep falling and you can't really save anything you can just postpone the struggle <laughs> and if we look at that with modern eyes we're perhaps back at that Mario scenario where we look at it and go it's it's like it's a bunch of green pixels how can this be anything meaningful but the, How could it evoke it that, like Nightmare? It, it was literally Nightmare for, for the developer. Nightmare fuel. Well, that's,
0: that's really interesting. Um, and I think that's it's also very interesting because as a long, nearly lifelong gamer, when I see a game, I often think it's cool. And this has been discussed um in some other places. I think the Escapist... Magazine does some interesting talks about this, and I'm sure other places, but, um, like, we look at something like, oh, it's this post-apocalyptic end of the world, everyone's suffering, and you go, awesome, I can't wait to play this game, and it's, like, a horrific nightmare scenario, but as gamers, we're like, woohoo, I can't wait to jump into Fallout or or Dark Souls or whatever it might be, um, and it's often, like, It's some war scenario where there's tons of people suffering or huge tragedies have happened or it's literally the end of the world or whatever. There's so many games that are set in horrible by like real-life standard settings would be horrible. But as gamers, we get excited. Um, So I don't know if that says something really bad about us um, or not. But that being said, um, I also think there's room for... um, Because there's all kinds of art, right? Once again, when I think of art... My default is this, I think of paintings and I tend to think of like nice paintings, you know, whatever your generic concept of a nice painting would be. Um, But as far as art in general, there's also room for um, what you would call violent expressions of art or artistry or imagery, if you will, even within paintings, just talking about paintings. But transferring that to more of a broader game sense, um, it's basically really common to have violent expressions of artistry in games in fact you could even call it a standard in most cases um even like not like m-rated games like a lot of even like t-rated games are less involved in some cases a form of violence even mario you're like jumping on little guy's heads or whatever um so it's like in relation to like thinking this is like art uh not just art, in and of, not like visual art, but the idea of trying to make a statement or evoke a reaction or thought from the player. Um, to me, I often jump to Bioshock or games like Spec Ops The Line, where I actually start thinking on the nature of my in-game actions much more deeply than perhaps other games where I don't, and I'm just mowing down aliens or dudes or whatever it might be in some game. Um, so I think the presentation is really important, the the framing of uh, not only the world you're in, but maybe the reason why you're doing it. Like, are you compelled? Are you forced to do it? Are you just choosing to do it as the player? Um, I guess in a couple games you're, like, being mind-controlled or blackmailed or something like that. Um, in some games, though, you can choose to be, like, merciful, or you can just be, like, all, all brutal and stuff like that. Um but some games get a lot more thoughtful with their violence, and I find that really compelling in terms of uh, invoking, like, just thoughts. Yeah, like, I don't think any of these games are ultimately trying to, like, make profound philosophical statements, although maybe some of them are, and I just haven't played them. Because um, at the end of the day, they're still meant to be fun and entertainment you know, and a lot of people might just play them as that and never think of anything more. Um, especially if it's, you maybe you're the kind of player who just skips all the cutscenes and dialogue and you just click through it. And you just want to get back to whatever the game mechanisms are. Cause it's often those story beats or those conversations that really are, are, um, drawing out these, these deeper things, if you want to call them that. Um, so I guess also in ba- back to the, uh, like the standard of what is art, um, yeah, what do you, yeah, what do you, the individual, consider art? Is it visual? Is it is it auditory? Is it, you know, is it the music? Is it um, making a profound statement or what you um, perceive as a profound statement? Or does it, you know, oh, does it really resonate with you because somehow you, you either know someone or you yourself have gone through some sort of similar circumstance and it's like, oh, wow, this, like, taking Gone Home, for example. I can't relate to that specifically, um, but I can imagine some people who do it is basically a real-world scenario. Surely it's happened to somebody somewhere. I mean, maybe not in that exact setup of, like, pawing through someone's house for three hours when they're not there. <laughs> but that specific story, which is basically a love story, um, that's actually quite moving. Um, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think art will ultimately vary, too, by person to person. Um, well, I guess, obviously, like... I'm sure even among this podcast, the three of us would have very different definitions of not like art in general, but like if if one if I said like I find this thing just the most artistically beautiful thing ever, I'm sure Casper and John wouldn't necessarily think it's the most beautiful thing ever or even artistic at all. <laughs> um, and I d- I do think though that craftsmanship can be art. Like you look at like Michelangelo's like David sculpture. Ultimately, that's just really really good craftsmanship. Um, it's a really really good rock version of a human um <laughs> i don't compare destiny obviously the michelangelo's david statue <laughs> nowhere close to that but um for some people i think craftsmanship can be art and art is like observing this incredible thing that someone else has done and for other people art can be seeing something or experiencing or whatever and then it invokes a feeling in them whether that's i don't know happiness or anger or or jealousy or whatever um some Mm -hmm. sort of feeling um and it'll be or maybe all range of things And i think what's interesting too is i've played games where like the story gets in way the story gets in the way of the gameplay and i put other games where the gameplay gets in the way of the story and a few really great games um it does they do both the gameplay and the story are both on point and Mm -hmm. you're not upset when a cutscene is suddenly forcing you away from the gameplay for two minutes and you're also not upset when you haven't seen a, cu- a cut cutscene in an hour. You're just happy to play the game.
0: Right. Yeah, that's really well said. I like that. Regarding uh, the said, craftsmanship
2: yeah. thing, uh, I think you, you do have a point craftsmanship and art are sort of intertwined. And I think that really good art is intersection between intent and good craftsmanship. So I, I think my point was more just that I don't necessarily the Destiny example If we just look at the core gameplay loop, it necessarily has artistic intent, it just has craft. But if you do combine artistic, you agree
0: good gameplay design. Oh, you're could you repeat your last sentence, Casper? You cut out a little bit.
2: Oh, sorry, I, I was just saying that if you do combine artistic intent and good craft, I do agree that games design and game loops can be.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Like on a pure, just mechanical level, like can those like well-designed loops, like again, I play Destiny 2 specifically. It is a pretty darn fun game. Uh, I think the story is pretty basic, but the visual design, the worlds in general, it's more like semi-open world. It's fun to just kind of roam around and shoot stuff and go on little quests and uh, solve some secrets and puzzles and whatever, uh, there's lots of those littered throughout the game. There's also PvP if you want, though that's like that's just your standard shoot each other in the face until someone has more points. It doesn't mean it's bad, but there's not like deep artistry there per se. Um, but you could say like yes, like yeah, a game design uh, or design of the systems within the game. Um, if you take something like uh, maybe certain MMOs or um, MOBAs like Dota Two. Um, Dota 2 is notorious for being, like, one of the most challenging games to learn around in terms of, like, its sheer depth and skill ceiling, because it's nearly infinite. Um, so I think you could, you know, especially since it just evolved from some old Warcraft 3 mod way back in the day with a handful of heroes, and now it's this huge game with $40 million prize pools every year, and not every year, but this year's prize pool is $40 million, um... And with people from all over the world, every country representing, you know, playing their hearts out in this game. But the point is, um, the design system of the game is so, and you're they're just playing a loop. You're playing the same map every single time. There's not multiple maps. You're just picking one side or the other. There is some differences there. So it's like the it's like in one sense a very simple concept. Put five players on each team. Stick them on this map. Just give them, a, but then give them a enormous range of options—over a hundred heroes, hundreds of items, so many permutations of strategy. Like that, that. But you're, again, we're talking about this loop. Players are finding satisfaction in doing things. Oh, I'm I'm being very mechanically accurate. Or I'm being very strategic. Um, I think there's some artistry in that kind of system.
1: What do you think, Sam? I definitely agree. I I played a ton of League, and that's that's the same thing. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to pose to you guys sort of on this topic, though, a question is one thing I've thought about in regards to games as like art is the other sort of, we'll say, entertainment mediums like books, uh, TV shows, movies, they're kind of, um, they don't really expire in terms of like, um, like, like, like a good book from the 1950s is probably still a really good book today um mm. like dune for example or like lord of the rings or whatever um and movies obviously like a really old movie people might find hard to watch but like if a movie's from the last couple decades it's very watchable and same with tv mm. games for on the other hand obviously they're playable if they're old but if you even take like a 10 year let's say a xbox 360 era game or ps3 era game and you go back and try to play that game the game itself might still be beautiful and have a great story but like it's it'll probably be really tough to play. <laughs> I don't just mean it'll, it'll probably look bad. It'll have maybe like really outdated controls, and maybe just be like oh, this is like this like feels so clumsy and slow, and like because modern games that maybe have a slightly different um, optimized gameplay loop, will say or something like that. So yeah, what do you guys think about like Metal Gear Solid One? I'll, I'll use that as my example. That game is essentially unplayable. Like you, you can very easily play it, but like it's so. It's an amazing game for for the history books, but like it's so like unplayable in quotation marks in like the mm-hmm. modern era. So, what do you guys what do you guys think about that sort of thing? I personally think that if a game is good
2: enough, I can play it no matter how much time passes. Like v- fairly recently, I went back and played The Longest Journey, which came out in the late nineties, uh, and I've also recently ish the Gothic Two, which is from two thousand one or. Well, and I enjoy those games. Yeah. Well, I can't say as much as I did when they were recent because I <laughs> when the, the longest journey yeah. came out.
0: I think but, yeah. there's yeah, I think there's two things here. I really like how you brought that up, Sam. Um because I do think games as a medium as an entertainment medium or an artist artistic medium whatever, some combination of the two, um they definitely have uh, they advance at a far more rapid pace than these other mediums. And as a result, it also seems like they age at a much more rapid, they basically fall out of like, they decline much quicker. Like you were saying an older book or movie or, or nice bit of whatever it is. Uh, we can also include music here. If you want so much old music is enjoyed today from, you know, long time ago. Um, doesn't really fall so much out of favor or style, or maybe it'll make a resurgence or something. Uh, but in, in gaming terms, like if you were to talk about a resurgence, like you could talk about a resurgence of style, like they call it, um, oh, this is like a, a pixel game or a classic 16-bit game. So it might be made to look old or retro, but it will have modern design and sensibilities within it, usually. Not always, but usually. So you can't say, even if it looks similar, it'll have much more like maybe polished gameplay or moves, or there'll be less clunky stuff or less time-wasting in it or something like that. Um, so conceptually, I would agree... So, but and to Casper's point, because he mentioned the longest journey, if I'm not mistaken, that's, isn't that mostly like a narrative story adventure type game? So, point, like- the, yeah. So, the question then becomes is what is the main um, gameplay or the main hook carrying that game? Is it the story? Is it the visuals? Is it the like moment to moment gameplay? So, I think the games that still have a good, like a really good, compelling story probably don't age as badly much like a good book or something but it's really relying on gameplay you're probably running into um it, it just feels clunky it feels unpolished and you know basically yeah what do you think
2: sam perhaps but gothic 2 which came out i think i play that mainly
0: that's an rpg right yes okay
1: one one thought i had just as we were talking about this is like games as a medium are very very iterative and put on each other in the sense that like well let's say naughty Dog's making last of us three right now um it's one of like the highest regarded games currently they are absolutely looking at any game that's virtually similar to theirs or even games that aren't similar they're looking at what those games do right what they do well and they're saying like, hey, how can we incorporate that into our next game yeah books i don't think do that at all like maybe a little bit like oh like this like structure to the book seems to hook readers better but like there's no like i don't know george R. R. martin is looking at what some other author is doing and like oh man i gotta do that in my next book like um and movies obviously would do that a little bit you can definitely tell movies kind of stylistically might uh draw upon another but they also do much less so than games like if someone in games for example um remember when well on the xbox controller it's y the top button um remember when jump switched from y to a like every game switch that essentially every game um it's it's not like one game switch that and then they all said like okay no we're gonna stay with the top button of our four is gonna be jump. Like no they all moved to the bottom um and like just and then the dual the dual sticks like there's a game obviously that's more controls but like games if one game does something really really well almost every game and the entire medium will immediately incorporate that thing which we don't really see in other mediums
0: yeah there's more shared influences or obvious inspirations or in some cases outright copying going mm-hmm. on um in the gaming world which i find it's a very interesting point yeah what do you think casper
2: um uh- I have two immediate thoughts, one of them regarding the expiration in general and perhaps also the iterative nature. And so if you look at something like an installment uh, art piece, um, that's also temporal thing, right? It's there, you experience it, and then it might never exist again. So I don't necessarily think that just because it might have an expiry date... That necessarily has anything to do with the artistic nature of things. But it is still, mm-hmm. of course, interesting that it might date at least to some people to for some games. But also um, with respect to... I, what I was going to say? Uh, oh, yeah, I remember again. <laughs> uh, the nature of music. Because if you look at uh, the the time when we started being able to properly record music... That changed everything for what it meant to make music, right? Uh, Historically speaking, before we were able to record music, uh, a music art piece was sort of split in two, right? You had the long-lasting composition of the piece where the composer would write it down on sheet music and you'd have that um, and that would last. But there would be differences between performances of that piece and the performance of the music would only exist in one moment.
0: Hmm.
2: Then we got recordings, and now the piece itself performed and played can be re-listened to and experienced again and again. And that itself can be a piece of, not just the composition. Um, And I think that's just funny, sort of like parallel to the, the way games might evolve and expire. And It's, of course, not at all the same thing, but it's a similar situation of how technology advances the way a median might be Mm -hmm. experienced.
0: I really like that point. Um, I like that point a lot. And I think seeing as games so heavily rely on technology, obviously from hardware to software and so on, um, various devices, mouse, keyboard, controllers, uh, virtual, whatever, all kinds of devices are there. Um, And it's less so now because there's very few platform exclusive games they still exist but that's really getting blurred even the old holdout Sony is finally like making a PC label division and a bunch of their more and more of their stuff's coming out so in like the early 2000s there was in my mind there was way more games just designed for PC just designed for like Xbox or PlayStation or one of the other and they were designed exactly with that whatever controller config in mind and then more and more games started to become more um split across the three, like, consoles and PC. And to me, that became very obvious, running into, um, like, the difference between Halo 1 and Halo 2, for example. Back, well, now, all the, pretty much all the Halos are out now, the Master Chief collection. But back then, it was Halo 1, which even had a Mac port. Um, and then there was Halo 2. And it was interesting, going from Halo 1 to Halo 2, on, on the computer, there was an immediate, to me, design difference. The menus were different. The feel of the gameplay was different. Everything was like... It didn't feel like it was meant to be on a PC. It felt like it was meant to be on a controller, and it was very obvious to me going from one to the next. So it's like, you know, what are you designing for? Who's your audience? But now it's like much more broad that that technology's evolved, and I feel like they do a pretty good job in general of um, accommodating all the platforms or all the major platforms, anyway.
1: One thought I had too is um, sort of on the topic of like games expiring so to speak i don't i don't mm-hmm. like to think that they do but and i, I think you can go back <laughs> to like mario brothers one i think that'll st- that Well, oh, i've played it recently it's still a really fun game right now because the gameplay is just so good like obviously it's <laughs> pixelated i but nobody cares that mario is not in 4k ray tracing right it, it's just yeah. a fun game um but other games that rely on uh are sort of may- maybe a lot of games especially tr- modern triple a games you can look at them and you can say that's an amazing game. Maybe it's a 10 out of 10. But you can also look at it and say, like, there's there's a list of 100 things that, that could be better if the technology was better. Whether that's the right. better graphics or better AI or like better choices in the story, or maybe like in, in an open world game, for example, a one common critique will be like all the side quests are the same, or there was like 10 good ones, and then the other 99 were just fetch quests. Right. That's a you could it like it's not hard to conceptualize a game where every single side quest was extremely unique and nuanced and it's this kind of sort of games have this medium sort of technology problem where like due to time and technology constraints we can't make the game perfect so to speak perfect in the sense of like there's zero flaws um but we can make a game that's perfect in the sense of like what we can do today um with given, yeah. given the constraints of,
0: yeah, absolutely. And, I like that. Stuff like that. Um, I'm hoping to see personally from a just like as a game, like a consumer of games. Um, I, you know, we there's tons of good games available, there's more coming out all the time. I'm excited for a few next year. Um, but I would like to see, I don't know what it is, I can't put my finger on it, like, I can't tell you what it is. I would just like to see, like, what's the next step in gaming of like gaming design. I feel like we're hitting a lot of templates, like Sam was just alluding to. Um, there's a great video by um, uh, Extra Punctuation, Yahtzee Kroshaw. He's hilarious. Although, if you don't like profanity, avoid him. But if you don't mind it, he has a really interesting piece just the other day called The Open World is Dead. Um, and he doesn't. by that, he means just basically what Sam was saying. So many open world games, and a lot of them are so similar, and they're all like they just have all these generic settings. There's always some, like, bad guy, and someone's being oppressed, and whether it's Far Cry or Assassin's Creed or whatever. The last game that probably do it really, really well was The Witcher 3. That was in 2015. And a lot of games have since cribbed from it, especially, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Valhalla. Um, but, like, yeah, where does, like, game design go next? Especially if you want to talk about, like like what Casper was alluding to in like technology influencing games, like what, what artistic heights can games go to next? They do a lot of incredible things across whether it was back 20, 30 years ago or today. Um, and I think there's definitely the conclusion Basically, We can each have like a closing statement here. We got to wrap it up. Um, I think largely the games that intend to be designed to be artistic, largely succeed. Other games are a mix. Some games are, intentionally trashy or just kind of no artistry at all um and there is some kind of relationship between developers and consumers that's kind of a different discussion because people go overboard with like entitlement and feedback and like rage review bombing whatever all kinds of stuff on the internet um but basically i think it's yeah a really cool space i love that it's interactive i love that it can be artistic and it can mean different things to different people um and I'm excited to see basically what technology and ideas people come out with, you know, in the coming years. What do you think, Sam?
1: Yeah. Um, it's just really interesting seeing like looking back at the, over this last hour, just like where games have come from and then looking ahead, mate, where they'll hopefully be. And just like how games can be so different from a, the one person to the next um, and sort of all the room for nuance and and story and gameplay and arts and Music and all that, and sound and again game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good discussion, guys.
0: Casper, what's your final con- statement? I, I essentially here? agree.
2: I agree, um, and yeah, games can can cover a wide scope. Some can be extremely artistic. Some less so, but doesn't necessarily mean they can't be great games in their own right. Perhaps not as artistic, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think uh, it's it's a field or a medium that has a lot of opportunities for
0: expression. Absolutely. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. That was our thoughts on our game's art. And that'll conclude this episode. So thanks for being here, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.
1: See you later, everyone.
0: A big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the intro and outro music. Be sure to check out his library on the web. You can find more episodes of our show on our website, macgamecast.com, or in all major podcast directories. If you enjoy the show, please consider commenting, following, or sharing. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the intro and outro music. Be sure to check out his library on the web. You can find more episodes of our show on our website, macgamecast.com, or in all major podcast directories. If you enjoy the show, please consider commenting, following, or sharing. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.